awakened again from a nightmare, truly awakened. The couch and his arms beneath him were solid, real. The noise, too, was real. He rose from the couch and moved to the terminal and composed himself before tapping a control. A message coalesced on the screen. Incoming transmission. Starfleet Command to Captain J.L. Picard, USS Enterprise, NCC-1701-E. Command authorization required. Authorization. Picard. 47 Alpha Tango. The image on the screen faded at once and was replaced by the image of Admiral Hayes at Starfleet Headquarters. Catch you at a bad time, Jean-Luc? No, of course not, sir. Hayes clearly did not believe the captain's reply, but the urgency of his message kept him from pursuing the matter. I've just received a disturbing report from Deep Space Five. Long-range sensors have picked up... Picard interrupted. I know. The Borg. Surrounded by his senior crew, Picard sat at the conference table in the observation lounge of the new Enterprise. The room was an elegant improvement over its predecessor. Its most striking feature was a multitude of windows opening onto a star-littered indigo. A stunning sight. But Picard could only think, All those suns, and orbiting them, how many habitable planets? And of those planets, how many life forms assimilated by the Borg? How many cultures forever lost over the millennia? And how soon shall we join them? Six months earlier, he had sat in this room and stared up at the bulkhead, where models of all the Enterprise's previous incarnations, A through D, hung. He had already worked through his lingering sense of loss at his previous ship's destruction. The Enterprise D was irretrievably gone, but her spirit remained, permeating every atom, every cell of this vessel and her crew. Now Picard looked at his surroundings and dared not allow himself to feel attachment. This was merely another ship that might be lost. He drew his attention back to his staff. Data, Riker, Troy, and Babylon. The faces were the same, but they now wore the new uniforms. Black, softened only by an inset at the shoulder and collarbone of dark gray. The effect was flattering, but a bit severe, and perhaps appropriate for the moment, given the devastating nature of the announcement he had just made. After his brief, blunt statement that the Borg had reappeared, expressions grew somber, and five pairs of anxious eyes focused upon him. The fifth pair of eyes belonged to Geordi LaForge, who, like the Enterprise E, seemed familiar yet changed. LaForge's visor had been replaced a short time before by electronic ocular implants, and Picard still felt mildly disconcerted every time he looked into his chief engineer's large eyes with their dizzyingly intricate geometric designs traced in black on starkly blue irises. Riker came to the point quickly. How many ships? One. And it's on a direct course for Earth. It will cross the Federation border in less than an hour. Admiral Hayes has begun mobilizing a fleet in the Typhon sector. He hopes to stop the Borg before they reach Earth. Data, whose pale golden face reflected the concern he felt, courtesy of his activated emotion chip, interjected, At maximum warp, it will take us three hours, twenty-five minutes to reach... 
Picard swiveled in his chair to face the android. We're not going. Riker leaned forward, his dark eyebrows arching upward. What do you mean we're not going? Picard averted his gaze and stared out at the blurring stars. Our orders are to patrol the neutral zone in case the Romulans try to take advantage of the situation. Deanna Troy was frankly disbelieving. The Romulans? Data spoke up immediately. Captain, there has been no unusual activity along the Romulan border for the past nine months. It seems highly unlikely that they would choose this moment to start a conflict. Beverly rested both elbows on the table. Maybe Starfleet feels we haven't had enough shakedown time. Perhaps she believed it, perhaps not. For Picard shot her a glance, and she at once lowered her gaze, as if in admission there might be another, deeper reason Starfleet had ordered the Enterprise E to stay away, but she was too loyal to utter it. LaForge dismissed Crusher's argument with a wave of his hand. We've been in space for six months. We're ready. The Enterprise E is the most advanced starship in the fleet. We should be in the front lines. If Geordi suspected the same reason Beverly did, he did not show it. Neither did Troy or Data. Riker's expression remained inscrutable. Picard worked to keep his own outrage from showing, and not particularly succeeding. I voiced all these concerns to Starfleet Command. Their orders stand. Number one, set course for the neutral zone. Picard rose then exited swiftly before the others saw his anger and shame. At the entrance to the ready room, Will Riker paused, pad in hand. He had performed the distasteful task assigned him as second-in-command. The Enterprise-E now sailed a respectful distance from the neutral zone's border. The first scan had been completed, and it fell to Riker to present the results to the captain. Almost a full day had passed since Picard's stunning announcement that the Borg were headed toward Earth. The crew members, himself included, were undeniably frustrated, restless, even angry at Starfleet's refusal to let them be of real service. How much more offended and furious was Picard, who had once been captured by the Borg and used to kill his own people? Picard's greatest opportunity for expiation, and the Enterprise crew's greatest opportunity to avenge their captain's suffering, had arrived, and Starfleet denied him and them that chance. Will drew a breath and stepped forward. <laughs> From the ready room, a blast of dark, thunderous music and anguished voices assaulted him. A half-full teacup on the captain's desk rattled in its saucer. Picard stood staring out at the stars, his back to the door. Rage seemed to emanate from his body into the air, riding upon each blaring, furious note. Picard turned to face his second-in-command. Without a word or a change in his taut expression, he tapped a control on his console. What do you have, number one? Riker handed him the pad. We finished our first sensor sweep of the neutral zone. As the captain scanned the readout, his lips thinned to a grim line. Fascinating. 
20 particles of space dust per cubic meter, 52 ultraviolet radiation spikes, and a class 2 comet. He tossed the pad onto his desk. This is certainly worthy of our time. Captain, I know how you feel. The captain's hazel eyes narrowed and stared deep into Rikers with a fury and intensity that would have made any less loyal or determined friend and officer flinch and turn away in apology. Actually, I doubt very much that you know how I feel. Though Picard eyed him squarely, the focus of the captain's gaze seemed beyond him, as if it were fixed fast upon ghosts from another time. The flaming hull of the starship Melbourne, the Saratoga, the Gage. Thirty-seven more starships and tens of thousands of lives aboard them were lost at Wolf 359 in the battle against the Borg. Thanks to the strategic knowledge of Locutus's human half, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Riker took a step forward, his tone pointed. Captain, why are we out here chasing comets? Let's just say that Starfleet has every confidence in the Enterprise and her crew, but they're not so sure about her captain. They believe a man who was once captured by the Borg and assimilated should not be put in a situation where he would face them again. To do so would be to introduce an unstable element into a critical situation. That's crazy, Captain. Your experience with the Borg makes you the perfect man to lead this fight. Picard's expression darkened. Admiral Hayes disagrees. Bridge to Captain Picard. Go ahead, Counselor. We've just received word from Starfleet Command. They've engaged the Borg. Picard strode onto the bridge and noted that everything aboard the Enterprise-E, including the situation that now confronted him and his crew, was strange yet familiar. Strange in that the captain's chair was now elevated above the rest to provide a better overview of the entire bridge. Familiar in that once again, the Enterprise crew anticipated a nightmarish battle with the Borg. Yet so unutterably strange they should not be permitted to be part of it. Picard could not help but note the lines of tension etched on each officer's expression. The expression closest to conveying real calm belonged to Lieutenant Hawk at Khan, whose unflappable direct personality reminded the captain of Will Rikers, although Hawk was younger, clean-shaven, and lean to the point of wiriness. Of course, Hawk had not been aboard the Enterprise D when her captain had been captured by the Borg. He had never heard Locutus speak, nor witnessed the fiery destruction of 40 of Starfleet's finest warships. Impossible to understand the horror of the Borg unless one had met them in battle, or worse, in their own hive. Hawk's confidence sprang from ignorance, and the captain did not look forward to seeing him lose either. Commander Data, put Starfleet subspace frequency 1486 on audio. Flagship to Endeavor. Stand by to engage at grid 815. Defiant and Bozeman, fall back to mobile position 1. At the mention of the Defiant, Troy grew concerned. All of them shared a single unspoken thought. War. Acknowledged, Flagship. We have it in visual range. We see it. Aboard cube on course zero, mark 215. Speed, warp 9.8. We are the Borg. 
lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. We are the Borg. Picard felt his flesh prickle. He stared out at the speechless stars on the main view screen and thought, How many planets? At the same time, an ominous realization came to him. He had known they were going to speak just then, hadn't he? Even before they had uttered a sound, he had known the precise second they were going to speak. All units, open fire. Remodulate shield. his gaze and sliced a hand through the air. The transmission ceased at once. In any other situation, Picard would have asked the senior bridge crew to accompany him to the ready room, where he would have sought opinions and advice. After all, the wisest course was to consult cooler heads than his own. At the moment, he didn't give a thought. He leaned toward the car. Lieutenant Hawk, set course for Earth. Maximum war. Picard shot a brief glance at an approving Will Riker before turning to address his crew. I am about to commit a direct violation of our order. Any of you who wish to object, do so now and I'll note it in my law. Data swiveled to face the captain. I think I speak for everyone here, sir, when I say to help with our orders. Picard permitted himself a small, bitter smile. Then red alert. All hands to battle stations. As crew members scrambled to their stations, Picard told himself, I'm probably taking all of these people to their deaths and myself to my own, if all of us are lucky. And if we are not, our responsible fear. But he would rather live with it for the time being than surrender without a fight to the evil of mindless apathy. So he settled back into his chair and ordered Hawk. Engage. Aboard the Defiance Bridge, Lieutenant Commander Worf sat staring at the view screen's display of the monstrous and ungainly Borg Cube surrounded by a dozen tiny starships. Dazzling bursts of phaser fire lit up the surrounding blackness, leaving scorch marks on the Borg Cube's dull pewter hull. Worf watched the effects of his recently ordered photon blasts with a grim warrior's smile of satisfaction.